Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and this is episode 66. So, of course, this episode is dedicated to NHL legend Josh Ho Sang. Um, anyhow, this episode is a roundtable episode with myself, Roddy, Daniel, and Ryan. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it, and I think it was actually pretty good. We didn't interrupt each other too much. I think uh, we made a lot of fair points. We found a lot of positives. Uh, obviously, there is some negatives. The Jets starting off one and two isn't great. I mean, the defensive core is not looking great. We got a Josh Morrissey injury and Buff sitting out. So it's not all just uh, great uh, unicorns and and rainbows but uh, I think we had some fair criticism but also maybe a couple solutions I think we did a good job with that Um, one thing that I forgot to mention last time which is not really a big deal but uh, last episode wanted to say that uh, the Jets will be wearing the aviator jerseys 11 times so if you didn't hear that um, that's just a little side note. I, I don't know. I, I love details and little bits of stupid information. They're wearing those 11 times and they're wearing the Heritage three times, including the upcoming Air Heritage Classic uh, at the end of the month in October. So um, there you go. That's what the Jets are doing with jerseys. They got 14 nights where uh, 14 home games. Uh, actually, it's not a home game for the Heritage Classic. Uh, Calgary is a home team. But anyhow, 14 nights where they're wearing different jerseys than their typical ones. So for those of you who like those kind of details and nonsense, um, definitely uh, know that. Also wanted to make mention of the fact that we are now officially part of Jets Nation. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jets Nation is what I like to call secondary media. They're not the mainstream media, but uh, a site with uh, lots of writers and lots of info. They do a bunch of uh, game day uh, tweeting and whatnot. They got a Facebook page. They do a bunch of stuff. So anyhow, we joined with them. They already do have a podcast called the Jets Nation podcast, uh, appropriately named, but uh, they're going to host two podcasts. So we're going to be joining them. So you can consider this episode. I'm supposed to say that we're uh, empowered. No, we're, um, what's the word? We're uh, invigorated. No, that's not it. Uh, um, we're powered by Jets Nation, something like that. So Jets Nation, definitely go check them out, jetsnation.ca, part of the Nation Network. Um, They're great over there. They've been probably the most supportive of uh, anybody, of anything that we've done um, with the podcast over the last year that we've existed. So they're they're really great and and supportive. And so we thought it'd be a fun partnership. Um, We get a bit of exposure from them. Uh, they get a bit of exposure kind of in reverse from us and, and, and content that we create. So kind of a, a mutual good back scratching. So uh, definitely check out stuff at Jets Nation and we're definitely happy to be joining them. So there's a, there's a bit of a news there. So you can find us probably a link to us on uh, their webpage too. So check that out. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to stop talking. Let's get to the episode. I always talk too much. Here you go. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Jet-Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm here tonight after Game 3. It's in the books. I'm here with uh, Daniel, Roddy, and Ryan. Hello, gentlemen. Everyone say hi at the same time. Go. Hi. Hi. Roddy's not feeling well, so he may, he'll may he just uh, jump in periodically, but uh, he's uh, graciously uh, given us his time, so uh, hopefully... Uh, his voice is strong enough, and he'll he'll give it to you, Jets fans. He'll uh, he's doing this just for you, uh, giving you some content. Anyhow, uh, the Jets got the three games in the book. They went to uh, what was it, the Rangers, the Devils, and now the New York Islanders, uh, giving up four, at least four goals every single game. Uh, some disappointing results there. One and two now, or no, sorry, zero, two, and one. Uh, I suppose is probably the the proper way to say it. Um, no, 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 that's not right. No, 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 no they got the win. Sorry, <laughs> they're one and two. <laughs> I'm not even giving them credit for winning the in the shootout. That was like the the highlight of the season so far. That's was the... that overtime? <laughs> Actually, let's start with that. What did you guys think? Maybe Daniel, what, uh, did you get a chance? Did you watch the second game? What what a, what was that overtime? That was amazing. That actually that was the only part I happened to catch there. I worked uh, Friday, but I was home just in time for overtime. Yeah, and I was like, I like got home, sat down. They dropped the puck, and then I was like, why did I even sit down? Like it was, <laughs> it was that, like it was that that intense that overtime. And I heard about maybe the last three minutes on the radio in the car. I was just like, I was like, whatever, I'll turn it on, see if they can win it in regulation. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty crazy. Their Wheeler hit the post a couple times yeah. in, in the last ten seconds, and then the overtime was up and down and back and forth and stuff so it was pretty intense and then the shootout I mean whatever is a shootout it was just there whatever to watch but it was nice to see they at least 
scooped up a win after being down uh, four nothing. I think I I saw after they were only one team did that last year and only a handful have done it in the last ten years or something like that. Being down four nothing and come back to yeah, and I posted. Win, I think the, the the Jets had done it because Maurice was asked specifically about that. I think the last time that they that he was coaching and and had done this was when the Jets had come back from four nothing against the Toronto Maple Leafs in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen in in October I believe that as was well. oh yeah that's when yeah, and, Line a scored on that breakaway the other way after Matthews missed yeah in the overtime yeah yeah yeah. The hat, yeah so that was uh that was, that was, was a Hattie, pretty, yeah. 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 Exactly. The 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 Hattie game. So I I don't know. Nobody corrected me, but uh, I'm pretty sure that was the last time the Jets had done it. I mean, it, coming back from four nothing uh, to to win doesn't happen too often. So it's probably a safe bet to say two two three years ago was likely the last time it happened. And them. that but might yeah. be the only time. <laughs> well, don't don't say that, Daniel. This team, no no. I, I mean, mean, like since not... like since 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 they've been back. You know what I mean? Like that might be the only two times in the nine years or whatever we're on now. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so let's start at the beginning. I I know I screwed up. So the Jets are one and two. Uh, my, my bad. Um, Roddy, how about you? Do you want to try and uh, waste a little voice on uh, what you saw? Maybe in the first uh, two two or three games. I mean, we can kind of get to tonight. We can kind of lump them all together. But I'm curious specifically what people are seeing system-wise that maybe looks a little bit different. We know that the personnel has changed. We know that the D isn't nearly as strong as it was, and it's it's getting hurt more and more every day with uh, Josh Morrissey's injury here. I'm just curious what people are seeing, if it's actually that much different. Have they tried to address the stylistically what they're, they're going to do? I know Marat has talked about it, and uh, Tony. Uh, so it sounds like they're addressing it to maybe suit their lack of talent on the D, um, are they doing that, and are they maybe doing that well? Maybe you could speak to that, Roddy, what you've seen so far. Uh, biggest difference, I think, and a lot of pucks to the net is what, what what I'm seeing, especially the first game. Everything was filtering towards the net. Um, not not much perimeter play, like not as much perimeter play, but I don't know if you guys have noticed that at all. Well, they did. Uh, what I believe in the second game, didn't they have something close to like 90 shots on net or something? It was some ridiculous number and. And I believe the the second was it the second game or first game. I don't know. I mean, it's they're all uh, flowing together. But yeah. I think based off that one yeah. little sample, I can think of about three games. Yeah, uh, like, they had they had like fifty seven shots after two periods of the first game too. So it, it looks like they're making a concerted effort to try to get shots towards the net or or, or at the net. Right? Yeah. And what what about you, Ryan? Are you seeing anything a little bit different, especially specifically because you know. We're going to be talking about the defense quite a bit. Do you see anything different with the D besides the the general lack of talent comparatively? Uh, I've noticed maybe a positive. I want to start with. I'm going to try to be positive. Got to start out the year on a on a high note. But uh, <laughs> I think Pionk has been better than we expected, and that's not to say he's been terrific or great, outstanding. He's been all right. He's been he's been better than all of us expected. I think we looked at the Truba trade and went, really? This is what we're getting back? This is who has to replace Jacob Truba? And by no means is he ever going to, but I think it's a little more positive um, than it was before the season started because he didn't have the best uh, preseason. And yeah. I, I want to say the same thing about uh, Kulikov. I, again, he hasn't been great but he has been more noticeable than he was last year. He, tonight, I noticed a few times that he was actually making checks, uh, going for the puck. Normally, he was just kind of standing around and getting beat. Now he seems to be moving his feet and going for pucks and a bit more hustle, and, and maybe he's uh, maybe he's feeling 100%, because I don't believe he's been feeling 100% since he came here. No, yeah, you're, you're right. He's definitely... Hasn't probably had a healthy day. He's maybe had a, maybe maybe a couple moments, but the, then things just seem to relapse for him uh, injury-wise and back-wise. I mean, his injury is pretty significant, and his surgeries and whatnot. That's not something that you come back from easily. But maybe all this time, maybe no playoffs. Maybe that uh, was a a blessing in disguise for at least for him. I mean, not for the team or for the rest of us who want to do it, but to get that extra time to rehab and rest maybe has uh, made him slightly more capable but i mean he's playing on the right side on the first pair it's not exactly ideal spot for kulikov right 
<laughs> and I believe that he's played on his offside most of his time here, or am I incorrect in thinking that? You're, you're, uh... you're incorrect. He did fill in for Buff on the second pair for a bit last year, but he's okay. mostly played. He played on the left side with Buff, and then he played a lot on the left side with uh, Myers when he was uh, healthy, and then he obviously had some injury and press box time. But no, he's mostly on the left side, but he did have some, some moments. I, in my... Uh, mind's eye, I can't confirm this, but I would guess. Yeah, that's that's eight, right. Eight, well, eight, I guess eight, Buff eight, was games. Buff was injured for half the season last yeah. year, so maybe that's where I noticed he was on that opposite side. Um, yeah, but maybe when, that's. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that because I just remember the when they made the the playoff run that it was like him and Myers were like the solid third pair, right? And that yeah. was him playing on his right side. But yeah, you are you are right when Buffin missed like what thirty eight games or something last year. So that's uh, he was playing his offside pretty much half last season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roddy, what about you? Um, kind of moving away from that uh, topic a little bit. Uh, what kind of positives have you seen maybe with some of the forwards? I mean, I, I know that we're all going to have some uh, issue with with the lines in general. They don't still seem quite optimized but talking about the fours is there somebody that's maybe stood out that's really impressed you what do you think of cop kind of finally getting that chance on the 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 second second line centering some some great like offensive talent which uh typically being with lowry and tanov that wasn't really you know awesome offensive talent in the typical sense i mean Tanov had some moments but uh yeah what did you see from the some of the forwards that you that you really liked I really, you know, obviously Nick Ehlers is a huge positive, um, and and Liney's play is is he he looks more active in in what he's doing too, right? Um, anybody that surprised me, uh, like I say, like I guess that the second line is is performing well. Like they they they've had all, like ample chances, especially the first game. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing. Like Nick Ehlers got to shine there. You know, it's super early, just a couple games in, right? But um, yeah. like obviously, uh, Nico. I mean, uh, Ehlers on the power play and entry on the power play, he's like flawless uh, this season, anyways. From what I've seen, um, just the way he carries it on the power play, um, really big advantage. Compare, you, you notice the difference between when when he carries it and and you know some other of the really failed entries that they've had on the power play this uh, this season so far but yeah have you guys also noticed that there's been more carrying the puck in rather than dumping yeah switch i'm accustomed to under maurice yeah it's yeah especially when it when it's on shifley and and Ehlers stick for sure um but yeah they it, it looks like they're not doing the dump and chase on the power play as much anymore and that's that's very encouraging obviously there's a, a couple of times now I don't have any uh, evidence to back it up, but parts where I was watching specifically for if they're going to dump it in, and I was actually impressed with – it might have just been a series of three or four times in a row that's just uh, stuck in my mind compared to some the rest of it. I mean, like you said, Roddy, we're only three games in so far, so I'm not sure if even if you look at the data, it's going to be a small sample size, and that's uh, – you know, you don't want to base too much off of that. But I felt like even when they were just doing the dump, dump in, I could just picture right now uh, Pionk – uh, doing it once or twice, and I felt like they recovered it really quickly and then got their kind of space off the guys. I mean, my, my frustration is not necessarily just the dumping, but when they dump in and they don't recover well, and it ends up just being pinned against the board, and you got a pile of four or five guys hacking at someone's feet, it's like, well, that wasn't really that successful. You don't even know who's going to come out with it, but if you can kind of beat that guy or whatever and then quickly move the puck, and then all of a sudden have your, your space, and you got the, the defense sort of on their heels a bit, and it felt like they recovered pretty well when they did that it felt like even the plan for the entry when it wasn't going to be carried in was executed a little bit better i mean dump and chase has a negative connotation to it or or, or dump ins right it kind of or pucks in deep uh, maybe not to everybody but to people that are thinking a bit more analytically minded you want to keep it on your stick not just kind of give it away per se but uh if you're able to kind of quote unquote give it away and put it in a corner and go back and get it before anyone else um in, in my mind it feels like uh, they've been doing that pretty well i I might be wrong go ahead yeah well when you're when you're carrying it in effectively right it opens up the dump and chase too right so you know they stand you they try to stand you up at the blue line a little bit more and that opens it up and if you can do both effectively then that's when you you keep a penalty kill off balance right yeah it's kind of like uh the balance of uh having a running game which opens up your throwing game in football right kind of the same 
same idea. You use use both ones a bit more. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, gritty, and the other one's a little bit more uh, precision and and nicer, right? Like definitely whatever. I don't, you know what I'm trying to say. Anyhow, um, Ryan, uh, Lineage got moved up to the first first line and uh, scored a goal. We know that Maurice is gonna kind of keep those three snipers on those top two lines. Probably not gonna move them off there. Well, what do you think the chances are that he stays up there? And kind of second part of that question, uh, Brian Little skating. Looks like he might be coming back soon. Uh, where do you think Brian Little is going to slot back in once he's he's all healthy? Do you think he just gets that second pair right away or they leave those that line alone and leave Cop up there? I think they do bump Cop, but I'm very hopeful that they leave Line A on that top line. Now, it'd be interesting. I didn't get to see the third period tonight. So I'd like to know if anything changed with Ehlers' game with Connor being on his line, because this benefited those two lines tonight by moving up line A. Of course, he scored the goal. And in the third period, I was listening, and I guess Connor had a million chances. Uh, he could have put in a, a couple easily on um, breakaways, and he just he was shining. Did that affect Ehlers at all? Did Ehlers slow down? Are they going to try to do something with him? Or was he kind of the same dominant player that we saw through the first two games? Um, Go ahead, Daniel. I, yeah, Connor had a few, at least two chances, two two breakaways that he probably should have converted on whatever good saves. But uh, yeah, I did notice, you know, Ehlers was still out there. I don't know if he had the puck as much. I mean, the Jets were kind of getting stymied i mean yeah they had this the score effect and all that so they were getting lots of shots and stuff um but i didn't notice either anyway with my eyes like dangling around dancing around and thinking back to the rangers game but i mean i'm sure he was having some kind of effect that i didn't didn't notice but i'm sure he was still like driving like he was in the first couple couple games yeah i'm just wondering well, he was that a... sorry go ahead Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, just totally, he wasn't noticeable that third period, so to maybe answer your question, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, right, finding those combos early on, and maybe there should have been more experimenting in the preseason, which there really wasn't. And it's tough when you're missing 81 and 29 in, throughout camp, right? It's hard to experiment with that, and they're trying to figure that part out now. But uh, th they need to find a combo that makes that all work because Connor, Lane, and Ehlers seem to be the three interchangeables right now. And mm -hmm. finding that perfect match in a center that can go with them, that makes them click, is really going to be the tough part right now um, yeah. uh, with the forwards. Lo I'd love to see Low Lowry up there in between them if they're going to mix it up a bit, right? Yeah. Well, For sure. And I think he's such he's a shutdown player. He's such a shutdown player. I'm not sure if they will, because they always he has the offensive capability, but they're afraid to put another center down who isn't quite as sh good as sh at shutting down. Sorry, the uh, the other team's top lines. So I think he does stay down, which is unfortunate. But he does make his line much better. Um, again, maybe it's another combo that they try. It's not. It's not so bad if he stays down. I just think his line mates aren't of the quality and ilk that uh, that he deserves. Um, and I mean, uh, ideally, uh, and like Mac has said this so many times on the podcast before. He says if Lowry is your fourth line center, um, you're you're a Stanley Cup contender. And the the point isn't, hey, let's make sure Lowry never gets a chance up the line if he's not good enough. The point is if if he can move down to your fourth line because you have so much quality everywhere else, and he could just play that checking line on the uh, on the fourth line um that's really really good so i understand what you're saying roddy get him up the lineup and everything but it, like every every action has a equal and opposite reaction right in, so, in some way so when you move him up then how does that change that third line then all of a sudden like for instance we have a fourth line that's full of you know pretty decent quality players uh, roslovic uh, being uh, one of them, obviously, and then uh, Pro being another. I mean, Appleton is, you know, probably going to be a fourth liner on this team for a long time. But those other two, especially, uh, are very high quality players that they don't really seem to suit that fourth line role and should probably be further up. But if you move them up, then who do you move down, right? And so if you move Lowry down, then he's getting less minutes. And then, like Ryan's saying, you're not kind of getting maybe the quality of the the 
the defensive game because he's playing less minutes, right, against tough competition, which is what he's used to doing. But uh, anyhow, I want to just kind of look at, uh, there's asked for some people to send in some questions, so I'm going to send a couple over to you guys. Um, writing a start, and, and a bunch of them were, were not serious at all, so I'm not going to read those ones. Uh, uh, maybe one or two, they might be fun. But um, writing, I'm going to ask you, this is from Reese uh, Smilski. If Buff doesn't come back and Morrissey's injury lasts any length of time, when do the Jets start? And he said, quote, unquote, load management slash tanking. Now, I know that's obviously getting way ahead. And the load management, I think, is a very different topic, which I think it's be a fun one to get into. But um, I, I wonder, maybe the question should be posed a bit more like, what do you, uh, how, how do the Jets manage that? If that's going to be the case, if uh, Buff's decision isn't coming soon, which it doesn't really seem likely. I mean, he just announced a couple weeks ago that he's taken time off to make the biggest, one of the biggest decisions of his life besides probably his own marriage. And now, uh, you know, some people reporting that this decision coming soon seems a little bit ridiculous, especially knowing Buff's personality. So, Roddy, what do you see? If, if, if Morrissey's going to be down for any length of time, hopefully not, um, how, how do they, they handle this internally, whether it means adding guys or pulling guys up, or even, like he mentioned, load management. I think the question there is specifically maybe about uh, forwards because you know having a D that's not as capable is going to put pressure on the forwards. How can they maybe rotate guys through the lineup and, and take some minutes away from those uh, forwards so you don't have uh, Wheeler and Shifley killing themselves for 30 minutes a night trying to uh, get the puck out of our own end and not do what they're good at at the other end. So uh, yeah, so Roddy, what do you think? Long-winded uh, question. There. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so the question would be, how does Paul Maurice load, load manage now? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and if he's even capable of forward thinking, that 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 puts you down that road. Yeah, that's that's the question that everybody needs to to ask themselves, and and predictably, I, I don't know if if he has that ability to do that. So um, it should be a combination of both, and it should be a combination of developing the guys that are that are you know, perceivably on the cusp, but yeah, who knows? You get rid of the yeah. old, the older talent that's, that's, that's coming up or that, that's, that's a lot. And you, you, you think about rebuilding, but is, is that really what's going to happen uh, on this end? Now, now to be fair, Roddy, I think, I think it's good that like you say that, but I think a lot of people just kind of come up with, Oh, you just hate Maurice, but people don't maybe look at some of the, uh, I don't want to see evidence because if people don't see it as evidence, then it's it's not proving uh, their point. But what what are some of the reasons why you'd say that about Maurice, like that he's not forward thinking? What is maybe what you would cite as evidence of saying that? So it's people that would disagree with you and say, no, no, he's a great coach, he's doing everything right. Why? What does he do that you don't think is is right? Like how does he manage these things that got that has had you conclude that uh, he's not very good at this stuff? Well, how did he manage his? Well, how did how how has he managed his opening week lineup? Like, I don't know how. Let's go. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple people that are in the A that that that, that shouldn't be there. Uh, mostly, at least Sammy Niku. Um, people in the press box that shouldn't be there. Um, you know, not not having. You know, let's let's say okay, Lutestu and um, Bork and uh, you know the list can go Batetto like. Why are we icing these these players that could barely, you know, find find a place on on an NHL team last year? Why are they all of a sudden good enough to play on on the Jets team? But whatever. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the press box, and the press box right now, I I can't name who's all up there except for Gustafson. That's uh, that's, it. Have any cl- that's it. Did you okay? Did you have any specific uh, comments about the Gustafson situation? That might be fun to share. <laughs> um. You know, yeah, it just I, I think it's counterintuitive how how he operates. So, um, you know, this is supposed to be a draft and develop organization, maximizing the youth, the youth on the team and and our manageable assets. But um, I don't think we've operated that way, especially in the last three seasons, right? So, um, yeah, it just counter everything they do is counterintuitive to what they're supposed to be. Right. 
and you, and you see people sort of pining for certain situations that seem to make sense, and then they do something different. And what like do you think that's just Maurice, or do you think that's organizational? You think like they're in their coaches' meetings and they kind of decide this together, or does it really just come down to to one guy? Like, is it just Maurice having uh, bad toys and playing with bad toys, or is this a Cheval Day Off thing? Is this a loyalty thing? Is this um, like what's going on here? Because I mean, the young guys, if you sort of um, uh, quote unquote, like burn bridges with them or upset them. They're young. They can get over it. They got to put in their time. There's always a strong argument for it. But um, uh, where does the, the 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 mindset lay with with you? Do you think it's all just Paul Maurice, or is this something bigger than that for you, Roddy? I, I don't. Think, I don't think Paul Maurice is the type of coach that's going to let let an owner or management influence what he does on the ice. Right. He's he's the one he's the one who has the NHL experience. Like let's let's take a look at the philosophy that the Jets have, right? Like yeah. he's the one that's been been around for forever, right? Chevy's just a brand new GM, you know. This is this is this is the infancy of the birth. Well, you know it's it's eight years in, but the Jets have only been here for so long. So yeah, he he's I don't think he's a coach that's going to let anybody dictate who he's going to put on the ice or what type of team he has, right? Yeah, and, and we all know that Huddy doesn't use analytics, so that's why Boteto's in. Oh. <laughs> um, Maurice, Maurice is the single reason that Toby Enstrom wouldn't resign, right? Yeah. But yeah. So there's well, there's well, decisions well. that he makes. I guarantee if he ran that decision by anyone else in the organization, they said, no, you have to put 39 in. The lineup. I know this is beating a dead horse because it's a couple seasons ago, but uh, I think he single-handedly runs but actually, people out. Actually, just speaking, well, speaking to that of of doing that, then I wonder how many of the players are pissed off. Like, think about how how much that probably pissed off Bufflin doing that to Enstrom, right? And now a here ton. we are Bufflin, and but here we are Bufflin's out fishing instead of on this New York New York trip, right? And this is like a whole season later. Still right, and I'm thinking of just maybe the other guys, like maybe, like obviously they're still playing or whatever, but like you know, just that disconnect is probably started growing even more after he did that and after that Western Conference final, and then the disappointment last year, and then now we're here now with only tonight, only one defenseman of the six that played was playing regularly last year, and that was Kulikov. Right, we've lost. like I'm getting that super super somber and stuff, but I'm just you know maybe maybe it means something. Well, think about it. Toby Anstrom played with this organization since being you know in the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. Your Western Conference Final. You're definitely one of the guys that brought brought the team there. One of the main reasons why they're as far as they are, and you get scratched on a, uh, for the elimination game. It just you also waived your no, home. You, you, you also waived your no no movement clause uh, for the expansion draft before that, right? Yeah. As well for the the team's sake. So there there is something else there. I agree with you, and like you said, Ryan, it's a bit of a dead horse. But yeah, these things uh, for players can compile a little bit. I mean, uh, again, another dead horse is like Niku and Veselainen not going on the the Finland trip this year with Gustafsson. Roddy, you made mention of him in the press box. I mean, he brought his family out to see him get to play. From Sweden and now there's three games in and he hasn't played and who knows if he's going to get a chance uh, at all in Pittsburgh. I think they're a little bit more worried about the D than changing anything with the forward. That seems to be the more east way. But anyhow, I want to move on to another question. Um, uh, uh, Ryan, I was going to send this one over to you. Uh, so this is Chevy specific. So expectations, hopes, and reality on how Chevy will address the defense court this year. So maybe not just in this moment, but do you think he's going to try and make some moves? Um, I would say that probably calling up players from the Moose to kind of fill in isn't really part of it. We're probably talking a bit more um, if there's another waiver kind of uh, movement player, like uh, the way that we uh, got Grant Clitsum back in the day, or we're going to look at a trade or something like that. Um, wh- what do you think Chevy does, if anything? or, or And what do you maybe hopeful for. I know a lot of people have thrown the name Honka around uh, for a second or third round pick. Um, what what do you think about that situation and, and Chevy's role in that? Yeah, so I don't see him trading a roster player for a defenseman. Now, if he wanted to do something about this situation in the summer, 
he could have. When you read between the lines of everything that's leaked out from the Bufflin uh, situation, in some of it, and or all of it, could be untrue for all we know. But from what's being leaked out there, it seems like Bufflin made up his mind before training camp, maybe even in the summer, and handed Chevy a note that said, hey, I'm retiring. And what it sounds like is that Chevy then said, how about you live the retired lifestyle? You go do your thing, but we're going to keep you on the books just in case you get that itch to come back. And they're still trying to convince him of that. If they wanted to address it, they would have said, you're retiring? Okay, we see the writing on the wall here. We know that he's probably not going to change his mind if he... If someone wants to retire, they're going to retire. So he should have taken that as, Kate, if you're going to retire, let us take that 8 mil, or sorry, 7.6 million, I think, cap space, and go do something with it. But I think we're past that point, or or we are past that point now, because defensemen are are, uh, all signed up. And the only option right now is, yeah, Honka, because I think he's still unsigned RFA, right, who's requested a trade. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe you throw a second rounder. Maybe maybe a third rounder if Dallas is getting desperate and they're not getting any other bites. Then I, I see that only making sense. I don't see anything else working. Chevy doesn't seem like the guy who's just going to go out there and trade a roster player. And for everyone that's yelling Ehlers right now, it's not going to be Nikolai Ehlers. He never was at risk of being traded. He's not going anywhere. Right, yeah. yeah. I think that's died down, fortunately. So, well, yeah. I don't think it was ever a thing other than people just yelling at their keyboards. I don't it's think it was... The conversation maybe, has died down. Yeah, but I don't think it was... We were ever at risk of losing him to a trade. I think yeah. that was silly, and maybe someone on TSN panel said the Jets could look at this, and then everyone jumped on it, and it seemed like everyone's talking about Euler's being gone, so it must be true. It's not yeah. happening. Right. Fair. Um, Daniel, over to you with uh, what you know about the Moose. You kind of, I always like to say you've been to more Moose games than all the Moose players because you had went to pretty much every game for well, so many that, years. But... Now that Conry's <laughs> gone, that is true, so. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> so you have the record of uh, most attended Moose games of uh, all of us combined and of any Moose player. Um, besides Niku, which we know is sort of the obvious one, and he'll be with the Jets uh, very likely. I know he's down with the Moose, and Roddy commented on that. But he'll he'll be with the Jets, and who knows if he's going to be in a 3-4 role or a 5-6 or even a 7. I mean, uh, nothing is that surprising, honestly, anymore. Um, who who do you think from the, the Moose might be the next uh, call up for the next capable uh, fill-in because, uh, like again, back to what Roddy said, Potato and a lot what a lot of people are saying is not capable at this level. So even if you add Niku and we're still waiting on Bullyu, we still don't have a buff decision. Who knows about Morrissey? The Potato thing needs to be sorted out a little bit. So who can fill in there? I mean, uh, some of the names that come to mind would be Green and Kovacevic. Um, I mean, Schilling had, has been up before. Noje has been up. Uh, who do you see as maybe a likely candidate and who you might like to see uh, see up? And don't say Dylan Sam, because uh, we'll all break into two. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice, eh? Yeah, um, no, busy. Well, obviously, obviously, like you mentioned, Niku should probably be already be on the plane out to Pittsburgh, hopefully. Yeah. Assuming Morrissey is missing Tuesday, which I mean they kind of said it was day to day, but usually that ends up being about two weeks. Um, <laughs> so I think the next one after Niku would actually be probably Logan Stanley. I oh, think. Oh yeah. I mean, Sorry, I didn't even mention Stanley, but yeah, yeah you right. didn't even say him. I thought you were just leaving that open for me to come in. Uh, but, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. And honestly, I, it wasn't a troll job or anything. I wasn't trying to do it on purpose or make you say it or leave him out to be a dink or anything. I just, I totally, totally missed it because he's low on my list. But uh, yeah, sorry, carry on though. Yeah, but yeah, it'll be probably Logan Stanley. Like, I mean, I did notice over last year he did improve quite a bit, yeah. playing a good chunk, chunk of minutes every night or pretty much every night, like 20, 20, 22 plus. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's probably could probably be more effective than Boteto, which, I mean, the bar is, like, underground on that. Um, so that would be my, I guess, my second call-up, if necessary. And then after that, I mean, they don't really have much. Like, you mentioned all those guys, like Schilling, Nogier, 
Kovacevic, I don't think we see him this year. You know, I guess then your third call-up is Noji and then Schilling, I guess. And that's pretty much what they got in the minors right now. Not too much. And you did mention the waivers. I mean, just in that other in that other part of that question there, I mean, by this, this time of the year, all the players that are going on waivers now aren't really NHL quality players. Like the few that slipped through the waivers uh, last last week were where the guys going down on the waivers now they're probably not not generally NHL quality players they're just kind of those tweener guys that were emergency call-ups or that kind of thing right and and even if we get a waiver guy like we do and there might be and there might be a waiver guy out there better than Batetto which again Batetto is the worst defenseman in the league or very in the bottom 10 or so so I mean most guys that do go through probably would be <laughs> it would be hard to be much better. But then even like that, like with Dahlstrom, basically I've heard him described as slightly better than, than Batetto, which feels like that is not a ringing endorsement in any way, shape, or form. So it almost feels like, I'm not sure if you anyone wants to comment on this, that it's probably better that they find the help within the organization than uh, pray for something off of waivers uh, unless they can get a trade. But even with they're adding these guys, even if it's Honka, even if they add Stanley and he's, uh, you know, way better than he has been, or they add Luke Green, we're not talking about really fully changing the defense core. I mean, losing Truba, not having Buff uh, uh, temporarily, in my opinion, and uh, Josh Morrissey, no Honka is, is fixing that, right? No Logan Stanley is fixing that. Even Niku, as much as we may love him, isn't fixing that. So, Roddy, I'll take, kind of take it from there. How, how do they fix this? What, like, is there something, uh, I think it was Yuri had commented on, on one of the, the account tweets saying that it's not a, a defensive core issue as much as it is a, def, a, a team system and coaching. Uh, it, I'm, not, I'm not even commenting about how true that is or not, but, like, realistically, and then I, I kind of want to like put to bed a couple things like the story about, you know, we've talked a lot about trading two prospects and two first round picks uh, to try and replace Brian Little twice. It's like, oh, whatever. At this point, Brian Little's on the Jets. So we can't, you know, kind of go back and do anything with that. We can't make players exist or be healthy that aren't right. So realistically, what is the best way to to now optimize this this uh, this team with with what's left and the options that are there? Roddy. Fire the coach. Oh, Roddy, come Fire. on. That doesn't, that doesn't change <laughs> man. It does. It does. For the organization, long-term, yeah, it does. But I don't know. It's it's kind of weird that, that we're talking about this when, you know, just a couple of seasons ago, like the Jet, one of the Jets' main strengths was the right side on the back end, right? Uh, right. Just really weird to, to, be, to be talking about this now. And, you know, the truth is, how do you fix it? I don't, I don't know. There isn't, there isn't a quick solution. It's not like, you know, number one right, right shot defensemen grow on trees or, or, or they're available right now, right? Yeah. So, yeah, opportunity was lost with, uh, you know, trading away draft picks. Opportunity was lost with finding a stud defenseman when you wasted it on Logan Stanley instead of, uh, say, uh, you know, Sam Girard. But yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to do now? Like, uh, how do you fix it? How do you yeah. fix it? Yeah. Like the only the only way is try to plug and play the the the, the guys that that you can bring up and send down, and and, and see uh, other than other than you know trying trying the same old guys that, that always get called up and plug them into into the lineup. You know, seeing Stanley as much as he's been much maligned with with a lot of people, you know, I'd welcome that if 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 this season starts to go in that direction right away, right? Like, we'll know. Well, even uh, Logan Stanley in for Potato is probably an improvement, honestly, at this point. Regardless Absolutely. what anybody thinks about uh, uh, Logan Stanley before, like Daniel said, Potato's like a bottom 10, and that's not an opinion. That's just a fact. Those are all the numbers and everything you can look at pointed that if your eye test doesn't, then you should get your eyes checked. But honestly, like, he's he's one of the worst defensemen in the league. So um, that's, th- that's a fact, and it seems like he's an easy replacement. And if the Jets don't at least make the effort to do that, then you kind of like uh, I think Roddy, you said it earlier. Like, kind of what what are we doing here? Um, my my issue is this: like as fans and as media and everybody, when you talk about things, uh, well, not media as much because they're not really going to complain. But if you identify a problem and all you do is identify the problem, but you don't come up with some sort of meaningful solution, then you're just complaining, right? So in in doing this this kind of exercise, I'm trying to see like 
okay, we can say the defense core is shit, and a lot of people will agree and uh, and whatnot. But like, yeah, uh, how do not that we get to solve it, man? We're just, we're a bunch of nobodies. We no one listens to us. I mean, from the uh, that that's actually not true. People from the org do listen to us, but um, I, I just mean we have no decision making power. But it feels like those who do. Uh, really need to be proactive at this time to at least show that they're making an effort. Even if they, at this point, maybe the Chevys, they've written off the season. And they're like, yeah, it's 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 over. We know we're not going to come back maybe. from this. Even with Buff, maybe. like, who knows, right? How but, you, uh, how you, but how do you deal with the situation? You, you either tank and, and hope you get somebody good in the draft or or you, you trade from, you know, we really don't have a plethora of talent that, that, that is expendable right now, right? Yeah. So... Yeah. Either the Jets get fleeced on a trade uh, for for a top top four defenseman, or they ride it out and maybe tank. Who knows, right? If they're not, it, just try who you've got. Like, if I can I put a positive spin on this, I want to put my positive face back on for a second. And it was a Thursday, I believe. I tried to go through some situations where, with what we have right now, what's the best look that the uh, six defensemen can have and this is with the injuries um those guys coming back and buff coming back so then you have morrissey niku bufflin hainola bolu pullman that's not a terrible six no absolutely. right and and if bufflin doesn't come back then you throw pionk in there who again as i said earlier who has been better than maybe some of us expected and then you have it's not a terrible six. It's not good, and it's not going to win you a Stanley Cup. But I think it takes away a lot of concern that we're thinking about game in, game out. Like, how is this going to go? Are we going to give up six goals? Are we going to get shelled for fifty shots? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. It just just when you mentioned that, I was just thinking last year. I don't know if you guys remember. I remember they had uh, they played a game. I think it was probably around. November, December, they had, I think it was like five, five guys up for something. They had like Nojie and Schilling playing in a game together and Niku all on the Jets. And that was, that felt like a very low. And this, this opening day or this day, game three roster feels pretty damn low. So that's just bringing me back to that, to that moment when Nelson Nojie and Cam Schilling were playing on the ice at the same time. For, for the Jets. Maybe it's nice to start off the season with the most adversity that you're gonna face all year, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's that's. If you can fight point, through yeah. this, if you can fight through the first ten where everything is the shits, yeah. then maybe you can later on you start to get pieces back and things start to click. And I I don't know. I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can this year. And again, with the six that that I see on paper that can be. It relieves a lot of uh, a lot of concern, and I'm hoping it happens again. I don't think Bufflin's going to be back, but even if you put in Pionk with Hanoa, yeah. they looked pretty damn yeah, good yeah. when they have played. How, how, how grateful are we that Hanoa is actually a, like playing pretty well? Like most, obviously, most mid first round picks aren't necessarily you know NHL ready, and Hanoa stepped in these three games here and oh, has yeah. been has been pretty pretty good if i if i can say so that's that's definitely a huge well, it, positive from that sense anyway this is the best situation for him because any oh, other yeah. situation any other player being here i know was playing his nine games or less and he's gone back to back yeah. to europe and as an 18 year old yeah he's he's earned it as well i'm not saying this is being handed to him he's definitely earned he it definitely they earned putting it in sure. yeah. they could be putting in someone else but he's really getting his shot here, and he showed it, and it's going to be really tough to to send him well, down. Now I know Paul's going to say, "Hold my beer," and he's going to do something ridiculous and send him down. But this just in, Schilling's on the plane to Pittsburgh too, and Heinola's on the plane. To Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Show's over. <laughs> well, All right. We are okay. coming up to the forty minutes mark, or we might. Okay. Be 
30 minutes now. So. All right, all right, all right. Okay, I got I got three more kind of question or talking points. That I'll, I'll throw one to each of you guys, and you can kind of go from there. Daniel, it's going to be about goalies, so you can kind of prepare for that. But, Ryan, uh, I was curious. I mean, if Buff were to come back today and said, yeah, I'm going to play, everyone in the side of relief, everyone would welcome with open arms. But I'm not sure about you, but online, have you seen a little bit of discontent about, like, yeah, this fucking guy should just make a decision already, and he's screwing us over. I feel like I'm starting to see a bit more of that popping up a bit, whereas the initial decision was kind of concern and whatnot. How do you think um, the – I don't know if Bufflin's going to – Well, it's, all, it's completely – like how that all plays into the organizational thoughts, uh, maybe the fan thoughts, maybe the uh, coaching, and even honestly, like a kind of a second part about the buff question, um, or like kind of talk about maybe fan perception and how that might sour a bit. But also, does this situation versus a better situation, uh, does one play better into getting buff back? Like if he sees a team as shit and he could be a savior, does he want to jump back in? Or if he uh, sees that the team is playing amazing, then it's like, ah, that's uh, just an easy just ride back in there with a good team. Right, like the the team giving up four goals uh, plus in every game so far, is that you know, uh, is that in the direction of Buff saying yes, or do you think he even cares about uh, how well the team's doing or not? So, and I'll leave I that don't, one. I don't think it has anything to do with what's happening on the ice. To be honest, Buff is Buff. Um, if there is one thing that's going to sway his decision. I think it's going to be what's going on in the room. Now, Maurice said at the end of last year that there was ruffled feathers, and some of the players um, acknowledged that as well, saying maybe there was a bit of tension in the room. I think that may have been a big part of Buff's decision to decide that he didn't want to be around the team. And when you see that, he skated with them early on before training camp started, and then he bailed. Maybe he came back and saw it was kind of more of the same. Now, if he hears that everything's fine and dandy, because you got to know he's talking with guys in the locker room. He's been around some of those guys forever, so he knows what's going on and if it's getting better, and maybe he will come back. But I don't think it has anything to do with the on-ice uh, stuff. And as for, um, sorry, your first question with the whole thing. Oh, the fan perception. Fan perception yeah, just That's, sort of not gonna That's not going to change uh, the team's decision whatsoever and we know that based on following them for the last what are we eight nine years now yeah, yeah, yeah. They, nothing's gonna sway them and that's that's actually all right in some situations you shouldn't let outside pressure like that an angry guy on a keyboard um change your opinion now this goes back to what i said earlier is i think some of that outrage is is not needed because if it was up to buff and it's true that he wanted to be done before the season even started, and they're keeping him around. Yeah. Then there should be no anger against Buff. The guy'd rather be fishing and hanging up the skates. I think. It's the team that's saying, actually, no. How about we just suspend you, and you take your time, and you tell us when you're ready. I don't right. think it's the other way around, and he's saying, I'll, I'll tell you when I'm ready, but keep me on the bucks type thing. Yeah. Yep, I do. it sounds about right, and it sounds like his personality from everybody talking about how he's like easygoing and stuff. Man, if things kind of get sour, I mean, but two years ago when they were on fire and went to the Western Conference Finals, I mean, nothing could probably go wrong. And Hendricks was in the room, and for all the criticism Hendricks gets on the ice, there's probably equal amount of praise that he gets in the room. And it sounds like that was a really great thing for the Jets for his leadership qualities. I don't know if you need a guy to be on the ice or dressed to give those leadership qualities. So that was always a controversial thing, but it seemed to work and maybe help buff in some way. But I think if he comes back, which I, I still predict that he's coming back. Um, I think he gives up the, the a for sure. Cause he seemed like a reluctant assistant captain anyhow, cause that's not his personality, but I think you're probably right. He wants he, like, he wants to have fun. He wants it to be chill. If it's not enjoyable, uh, he's made enough money. Let's get the hell out of here and go hang out with my kids and go fishing, right? So I think and it's I think not all speculation. It's not all speculation either, because Wheeler even said during training camp, or wasn't there an article that came out or something? And he said, "I kind of lost focus of who I was and what the team as a whole was." I think it got really serious in there, and a lot has to do with 26. And yeah. again, that's some of where the ruffled feathers came from. And Buff just doesn't want anything to do with that too yeah. laid back where 
he, he's made $66 million in his career. He doesn't need another 14. He's yeah. He'd be fine walking away. <clears throat> yeah. He, the, the interview he did, uh, uh, Wheeler had done an interview with uh, Sarah Oleski is the one that you're talking about, by the way. Um, okay, so you're, you said we're getting a little long in the teeth here. Uh, so, Daniel, I was going to throw it over to you. The goaltending, I know it's only been three games. Small sample size. Brossois got two games. Hellebuck got the one. Uh, Brossois gave up four and four. Hellebuck, I believe, gave up five, and then there was an empty netter, right? So that was uh, the sixth goal. Uh, what have you seen from the goaltending? What do you like, not like? Is uh, Brossois actually playing better than, than Hellebuck? Are you happy uh, they didn't get played in uh, back-to-back games? Because uh, uh, that's a no-no. But uh, any, any strong comments you might have? Uh, about the goalies, and then we'll end with uh, with Roddy in the last word. Well, I mean, there was a few times in, in each of the two full games I watched, Thursday and tonight, where I actually thought it was Pavlik in net. So that's <laughs> not a, that's definitely not a good sign. I mean, obviously the D ahead of them is very weak and letting a lot through, a lot of high ch- high danger chances. But I mean, obviously you're not going to win anything or very much if you allow four to five goals a game every single game. Um, I don't think either has been playing better than the other. And I mean, obviously, in the 180 minutes, uh, Hellebach had an awful, awful preseason as well. So I don't know if there's something different there. Maybe he's talking too much to Flaherty or something. But uh, I mean, like like you said, there's three games they've allowed. What is that? 14 goals or the goalies have allowed 13 goals and one empty netter in there. So, I mean, yeah, I guess... Empty net has been our best goalie. Yeah, only, given up only, one, so only one goal one goal against in about 30 seconds, but uh, that's that's oh, a yeah. pretty high yes. goals against average of uh, yes. 120 or something. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, you know, it's hard to read in. You The, the, the D has been letting a lot through, and you, they can't stop everything. And, I mean, there's been a lot of bad rebound control, too, which obviously doesn't help when your defense can't get the puck out of there after you let up a big rebound so they've been leaky and that's probably what we're due to expect more as the defensive situation as we just discussed isn't likely to improve very soon or to be very good anyways um but on the bright side Berdine had a good couple games on uh, friday and saturday for the moose so that's Uh, that's here we go the birdman the birdman's back after the first week of the season so Fan, fanboy Dan boy. There we go. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, Roddy, we'll end with you. Um, Roddy, do you want Scott Billick's ridiculous question or do you want a real question? <laughs> oh, Roddy, Roddy, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Give me the ridiculous question. I'll give you stuff there. And Garrett, Garrett really wanted you to answer this. He says, increasingly, HMOs, and then puts in brackets, health maintenance organizations, find themselves wrestling with the moral implications of their allocation of resources. By what guidelines should they decide between investing in more preventative services and investing in more, uh, more life-prolonging technology? What do you think, Roddy? Well, it should be in the preventative services, of course. There we go. There you have your answer. <laughs> well, I'll give you a real... I'll give you a real one here, Roddy. Um, there's a Winterpeg uh, Jart says, uh, and this is back to the D, obviously, and talk about Honka, but what a potential Honka contract would be like, uh, or would like, contract would like related to the complicated cap of the Jets and how long until the buff suspension creates enough savings for Honka. I guess what's being implied there is obviously if you don't move some players down or anything like that, uh, we could get Honka right now, but then... Uh, the the cap situation is one where you'd actually literally have to wait till a certain point before Buff could be re-added, or, or if Buff wanted to come, then you have to make some sort of roster move. So uh, with the cap situation, what it is, and and the the savings, I guess the team is getting from not having Buff on the team. Um, how uh, the cap situation surrounding Buff and and maybe adding players and the difficulty that that uh, that provides. Would it? Do you have any strong comments on that or uh, insight? Well, buffing coming back, so there's oh, obviously... Okay, we should do it. We should do it. Hold on, hold on. Before you go any further, we need a vote. Okay, I said he is by the end of November. I said he'll play by December, uh, or by the end of November, I got a $20 bet on it. Ryan, you already said no. Roddy says no. So, Daniel, you're the not deciding vote, um, unless you <laughs> vote no. But, Daniel, what, do you think Buff is coming back or not? I think he does not want to play anymore. Oh, that well, I think you're right, but I still think he comes back. Uh, <laughs> they cut you off. So three, three to one, no buff. There you go. A bunch of negative Nellies here. 
Okay, continue, Roddy. <laughs> well, well and, and to be honest, like when you've got Mike McIntyre talking about this course in the room last year, somebody yeah. from the free press tweeting about it and talking about it actively, you know, you know there's there's where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So that's all I got to say. Buffy coming back, and yeah, five and a half million for a honka over six. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Was it Ryan or Daniel? One of you said that he's he's a restricted free agent without a contract, so he's not playing right now. Is that the understanding? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I think I missed that. I thought that he was uh, he was signed for one or two years. I think somebody had mentioned something about three, but I guess that's what they're expecting maybe to to sign him for. I thought he was actually playing and uh, just wanted out. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, he's sitting on the sidelines waiting for for something to happen. Well, that the, that probably adds a bit of pressure to the situation a little bit for the Jets because if he signs uh, go somewhere else it, it's not just a player that wants out and might just kind of sit there for a while it feels like the guy's got to move on a contract probably sooner than later right and that that would affect the Jets ability to to go get him sorry I didn't do my homework on the, the Dallas fans game. Dallas fans are saying let him rot so are he's they? a 20 he's a 23 year old f- former first round pick just give him a shot. Yeah. He's and yeah, he just came off his three-year entry level, and so he's a RFA without a contract. Okay. Um, okay. We'll end it with this uh, line A goal predictions. I already made mine. I'll tell you guys in a, in a second. I don't want to influence your decisions in any way. Uh, Roddy, how many goals does Line A get? Actually, how about this? And does he does he lead the team in goals? Uh, the, I think the assumption is yes in in doing this because we're not including Shifley and Connor goals. So let's just assume Line A uh, leads in goals. Roddy, how many does he get? Forty. Okay, Daniel. I'll stick with my Twitter prediction of fifty-three, and he'll lead the team. Okay. Wow. All right. Well. Wow. And Ryan, how about you? I said forty-three. Holy, you guys are on high end. I had him at 38. So, well, I here, a... I'm going to quickly throw this out there because I said that in one of my tweets uh, just before the first game. But I said Jets are going to finish with 91 points, second wild card, lining with 43 goals, Wheeler with 60 assists, Hellebuck 0.917 save percentage. Oh, yeah. and then I had Connor down for 32 goals, 28 assists. They're all going to be correct, so don't even bother watching the rest of the season. <laughs> you, you mean you had Connor, Connor very close. I had him, him and Shifley both at 33 goals was my prediction for, for Connor and for Shifley. But uh, so you, so you have them actually making the playoffs as a second wild card. How about you, Daniel? Do you think the Jets actually make the playoffs? I mean, we've seen what the first couple games look like. Is there some hope on the horizon, or have you lost all hope and and you're just in despair and you've bought uh, Winnipeg ice tickets? <laughs> uh, well, again, I'll stick with my prediction. They're just outside the wild card. So finish, yeah, they'll finish just outside the wild card and get a nice uh, 14th overall first round pick. Okay. All right. How about you, Roddy? Uh, I predict the right injuries happen for things to happen the right way, and they make the playoffs in the second wild card. Okay, so one of our, our complaints constantly about Maurice, and this is, uh, if people have never heard this before, the idea being that he re- is reactive to things. He's not proactive. He makes uh, he flukes into decisions because of injuries, which seems to uh, be the only reason we know Kyle Connor's name uh, from, his, from his rookie season was because of a pro injury, right? That was part of it too. And some of the Patan love comes because of a, what a Brian Little injury, right? That put uh, Patan on that uh, line with, with Connor and, and Wheeler. So I, I'm picking up what you're laying down there, Roddy. I, I like it. But um, I, I have the Jets uh, as a second wild card as well. Anyhow, I think that's it. Anybody got any last words or can we just uh, just end it now? We're second wild card right now. We're se- oh, there we go. Boom. Ryan, <laughs> you and I win. We won. We won? <laughs> yeah, we did it, man. Yeah. You and I. <laughs> I, I like the point. The same thing. Screw the haters. Oh yeah, right too. So yeah. I'll point out I want to be wrong, but. <laughs> oh yeah. The way you talk about the Jets, nobody believes that, Daniel. Yeah, I know. You're, tr- you're a terrible troll. Okay, well thanks guys free for doing birdie. this. <laughs> yeah, free birdie. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Go Jets, go. Hopefully they uh, go to Pittsburgh and kick the show them, and uh, especially hopefully they have a great game. <laughs> 
against Pittsburgh when they're in Winnipeg because I know a few of us will be at that game and uh, it'd be nice if we uh, win a home opener too that'd be pretty good I'm hoping to to, uh, I should be at that game too so yeah anyhow thanks guys and uh, talk to you soon thanks you guys bye (laughs) (laughs) thank you bye All right, that's it. That's the episode. Uh, two little final things. Hello to Luke. Luke, a uh, friend of the show. He's 15, 16-ish. I think he turned 16 in December, if I'm not mistaken. A friend of mine, his son, listens to the show, so it's nice that we have some youth listening. Try not to swear too much, just for the youth. Keep it PG. Anyhow, uh, thanks for listening, Luke, and your questions for the podcast. Also, the last thing is uh, posted on Twitter that we have a poster to give away. It's one of those panoramic posters from uh, the Jets' uh, very first ever game, the opening night against the Montreal Canadiens. It's about one foot tall by three or four feet long, one of those posters. Um, anyhow, it's never been posted. It's in good condition, whatnot. So uh, if you want it, how about uh, this? No, we're not going to do any number draws or anything. Just prove to us that you listen to the show. Say some nice things um, about the podcast on Twitter. Uh, only those of you on Twitter saw this, so uh, we'll make this Twitter exclusive and Winnipeg exclusive. We're not sending the poster to uh, Sweden or, or anything like that. So um, you have to be in Winnipeg and you have to be on Twitter. Say some nice stuff about us on Twitter uh, and so that we could retweet the nice things that you say. We'll pick a winner from that. Prove, prove to us that you're listening and that you could win a poster. That's it. That's the episode. Uh, until next time, go Jets go. I'm Kurt Gilback and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.